from legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode or go to ipswichtoday.com.au. Coming up, my guest is Ipswich local Margaret Cook, freelance historian, heritage consultant, academic and author of A River with a City Problem, which explores the history of flooding in the Brisbane River catchment with a focus on 1893, 1974 and 2011. It's Friday, July 31, 2020, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. Margaret Cook specialises in cultural heritage and social history. Her work includes conservation management plans, commissioned histories, land tenure, cultural tourism, oral history and museum exhibitions. Her academic research focuses on environmental history, with a particular interest in natural disasters, climate and agricultural settlement. An accomplished author, Margaret has several books to her name, including A River with a City Problem, published last year. This book has been nominated for the 2020 Courier-Mail People's Choice Queensland Book of the Year Award. I caught up with Margaret via Zoom. Thanks for speaking with Ipswich today, Margaret Cook. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Before we talk about your nomination and the book itself, when did you first become aware of your keen interest in history and heritage? I don't remember a time when I wasn't interested in history. Uh, As a child, I used to watch BBC programs on the crown and all sorts of crazy things. Um, And I've always been interested in reading it and I want to know about the world around me. And the way I get into that is to look through history because I think the present is informed by the past. So it's just something I love. You've served on the Queensland Heritage Council and the National Trust. What do you consider were your major achievements during that time? Personally, I, I learned a lot, which is always exciting for me. But um, I, I think I brought my community interest as well in history to that role. Um, and as a local Ipswich person, um, a, a regional aspect. Sometimes those Brisbane committees can be very Brisbane-focused. So it was always good to be able to give an Ipswich perspective to some of the discussions. Ipswich is a treasure trove of history, and I include the time, of course, before white settlement. During your studies, what strikes you as the most significant time or period or thing uh, about our local history? I think our industrial history is really important. Uh, The woolen mills, the railway workshops, and the contribution we've made to rail in Queensland generally, I think... And the coal mining, of course, you can't forget that one. So I think our industrial contribution to the history of Queensland has been really important. And it's left us with a rich legacy of buildings as well. And as a heritage consultant, that's always something that interests me. One of my favourite buildings is the Ipswich Incinerator Theatre, which is a wonderful industrial building in Queen's Park. Um, And industrial architecture has a a different uh, aesthetic to it. It's very attractive. The city has a chequered past, there's no doubt about that, when it comes to built heritage. Do you think things have improved over the destructive past? And I'm specifically looking at the 70s and 80s here. 
Yeah, the 70s and 80s were not good for heritage anywhere in Queensland. It was a white shoe brigade at its best and we saw a lot of demolition. And I think we learned the hard way that that wasn't the way to go. And we brought in the Heritage Act and the National Trust became more vocal and outspoken. And Ipswich was actually a leader in local heritage. It's become the role model for a lot of the other local authorities in Queensland. So I really do see a difference now. And I think the younger generations are more proud of our heritage than they maybe once were. Your book, A River with a City Problem, not only examines the 2011 flood, but looks at the major floods of 1893 and 1974. What was your motivation to tackle this one? I'm always interested in place, and I think that comes from my interest in heritage. But um, I started thinking about it at the time, not long after the floods, when that discussion was going on about the role of Wyvernhoe and how we hadn't managed to stop flooding. And I thought, there's a story there about the river came first. The river's always been there. It's actually humans that have come later. And that was the idea of the title. And I thought it was an interesting story to look at that dynamic between nature and humans and see how it could play out in the time of the flood. Well, there are many examples of early white settlement where settlements were made as close as possible to the water source. I'm thinking Gympie, I'm thinking Maribyrnong, and of course, I'm thinking Ipswich uh, as a classic example. Are there any measures that can be taken now to minimise that flood risk going forward or is it it's just the way it is? We do have a problem with legacy because of where we've built but I think we can be careful about two areas. We can stop making it worse. So I think there's a role for town planning in particular to stop to think about where we actually build. There's a very big role for architects and builders to think about the sort of designs we embrace and the building materials we use, because some of them can be more resilient than some of the things we choose to use at the moment. Chipboard and plywood are not very good against flood water. Is it possible to undo any elements of poor planning? Yeah, there is. And there's some really exciting work going on in Brisbane about retrofitting some houses. And it's really about changing the materials we use, maybe raising some houses and thinking about softer, more permeable structures around the houses that might soak in some of the water. I think one of the things that the book showed is that um, there's a lot of education needed to understand floods. I don't think people actually realise how flood prone that Ipswich actually is. And one of the things I wanted to do was by telling stories is to help make people a bit more aware so that maybe next time we can be a little bit more proactive and get out of the way because I think we're very reactive. In 2011, that was a scary time and people just would not believe, uh, me included, it was quite going to come that high. And, and I was kind of working in the business of disseminating information then. And when, when it was clear what was going to happen, my heart sunk. And, and it was very hard to convince people they're going to be flooded and hence we had a lot of rescues. So floods are every how many years? It's very irregular. And from generation to generation, we kind of forget. So I get what you're saying about education. It needs to be there all the time. Yeah, it does. And you remember in 2011, we'd had that incredible drought. So the water levels were so low and floods seemed about as far from mine as it was possible to be. You know, you couldn't get further away from the thought. And it's impossible to imagine that Trumpy Bridge nearly flooded. You know, you look down and so far down and there's no hint of a flood could ever happen. And suddenly it's upon us. And Ipswich does have a, a backup river flood and a fast flow river flood. Uh, stories from 1974 say that it was just a torrent coming through Brassel and hence the houses there 
were lost. But this 2011 flood was very much a pond. It just backed up from the Brisbane River. Yeah. 1974 was much worse in Ipswich than, in, than 2011 because of the factors you just mentioned. Margaret, you're a finalist in the Courier Mail People's Choice Queensland Book of the Year Award. Uh, you're one of eight. How did you feel when you first found out you were on this esteemed list? Unbelievably excited. It's such an honour. There are so many books published every single year and I'm an absolutely um, enthusiastic reader. I consume all the time. So I know how many great books are out there. So I was so excited. Voting is open till the 17th of August. How do we score a vote for you? You can actually go straight to the State Library of Queensland website and you can place your vote there. So thank you very much for anyone who does. Now, if you win, there's a tidy $10,000 prize. Have you thought about what you might do with that? Oh, my sons have their eye on that. They have, <laughs> they're thinking food because they're teenage boys. But um, no, I haven't been um, audacious enough to decide what I would do. I just am flattered to be in the shortlist. I'd like to wish you all the best with those awards. And of course, your, your current publication is, uh, is still relatively fresh. It only came out last year. So Margaret Cook, thank you so much for talking with Ipswich today. Thank you very much, Alan. It's been a pleasure. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. You can subscribe for free and share this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio, or play Ipswich Today from your smart speaker. Suggestions are welcome for future interviews and topics. Just go to the Ipswich Today website or Facebook page and leave a message. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thanks for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.